the sermon series that we're going to start for the 21 days of fasting and prayer is definitely by far the cheesiest title I've ever chosen for uh, a sermon series, but I just had to do it. And I, I think it was actually definition of yes to something, um, and you're not seeing the fruit of it. Can I tell you, uh, someone shared a, a, a meme with me this week about um, man, a little tiny plant, and they're like, I'm not growing very much, but there's roots that are growing that you can't see. Uh, what a great meme. We're going to be talking about that one of the weeks, um, in a couple weeks, about the growth that's taking place. And so sometimes you give your yes and you stay faithful, but sometimes there's an, just a minor adjustment that needs to be made. I believe in the kingdom of God, minor adjustments can bring major breakthroughs. I do. Because it's not about might or strength or power. It's not about my wisdom or ingenuity. It's about being obedient and submissive. And so when the Holy Spirit tells me to adjust something small, I may think, well, what's the, that's not really going to do anything. Or what's the point of that? Or I don't understand. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we, we respond. We act. Well, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? Well, you act. And if it goes well, it was the Holy Spirit. And if it doesn't, then it wasn't. I mean, I, you learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. I mean, that was a really simplistic definition. We're actually going to talk about that a little more in depth next week, so you'll have to come back for that one. But I believe that we should be expecting more in this year ahead. In fact, every year, every day, I think we should be growing, being more transformed into the image of Christ. And so today we're going to talk about what do I mean by that word more, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk next week about more presence. Then we're going to talk about more progress. And we're going to talk about more purpose. Those are the three things we're going to talk about. Today, really, I'm just going to do kind of a grab bag of information about fasting and prayer, our vision, what we're going to be praying into. But we're also going to talk today about what we mean by the word believe. The word believe is actually an action word. It's not, a, it's not a state of being or in the mind. Um, we use the word believe as like, I believe in this. So it's all mental for us. But the word believe biblically is really an action word, and we're going to talk about that. I want to start from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. This is a key verse for us at Restoration Church. This is where our entire vision as a church came from. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. It's 45 below. Rejoice. Life is hard. Rejoice. It doesn't say be happy. See, joy and happiness are different. Joy is about a state of mind. It's about knowing that even though there's a mountain in front of me that's not moving, God is at work. He's working in my life. He's shaping my character. He's helping me put down roots. He's walking with me. It's not just about the mountain moving. It's about him getting accomplished what needs to be accomplished in my life. So when the mountain does move, I don't fall. I don't fail. How many of you know that there are, are many examples of men and women in the body of Christ that have done great things for the kingdom of God, but there was a flaw in their character that they weren't paying attention to and they faltered? They failed. And that becomes a stain, unfortunately, on the body of Christ. We, we shouldn't expect anyone to be perfect because as human beings we all falter and fail. But the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church were, when you think you stand firm, be careful lest you fall. So sometimes when, we, when the mountain moves a little too soon in our lives and we step into something that maybe our character's not quite ready for, 
So don't, don't try to move the mountain on your own. That was a great word, by the way, last week, Thaddeus. Don't move the mountain on your own. Let God do what he needs to do so that when that mountain moves, you're ready to step into whatever he has on the other side. Okay, that, that's a good word, Pastor John. Thank you for sharing that with us. So then Paul says, strive for full restoration. Strive for full restoration. That's, where, that's, that's what we do. That's what we're about. I, I don't like the word strive because it makes it sound like um, it's all on us. And we know it's not all on us. And we're going to talk about that tension between our part and God's part and how we, we walk through that. But striving for full restoration. Some versions use the word aim. Aim for full restoration. And that word restoration literally means to set things right. Aim to set things right. Whether it's in your own character, whether it's in your own home, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in our community, this is what we've become. This is what we want to be about as a church. We want to be setting things right. We want people that are far from God to be connected to God. In fact, if you remember, in 2018, I gave you a prayer list that I actually stuck in the middle of this booklet. For those of you that have been a part of our, our House of Prayer Times, it's a, it's a, uh, a sheet that's in front of us every single week because these are what the things that we pray into every single week that we meet together. Those that are far from God experience church hurt and have walked away from the church to be brought back in. Okay, what we commonly refer to as the prodigals, to be brought back. Those that are in ministry or were in ministry that have stepped out of ministry because of the same reason, to be restored. These are the things that we're working for. For orphans and widows and the poor and the marginalized. We want to work for the peace and the prosperity of our city. I believe God has always designed his people to live at the crossroads of the earth. He wanted his people to put him on display in the middle of the known world. If you've ever been to the land of Israel, it's not a, it's not a huge, um, it's not a, a, an impressive piece of land. And yet, all of the, everybody wants it. Back in this time period that the scripture was written, that was a major trade route from the east and west and the north and the south. Everyone wanted control of that land. And God chooses that land to put his people because he wanted them to be at the crossroads of the world. He didn't call us as the people of God to hide out until Jesus comes back in a little room. This is what Lynn talked to us about last week. He's called us to, to do life at the crossroads of the world. This is what we, as a church, we want to do the things we do as a church, only we want to do them at the crossroads of our city. I think as believers, we ought to be the best citizens of this city. We ought to complain the least. We ought to be the most active. We ought to have the best yard, the best neighborhood. We ought to follow the city ordinances even when we don't like them. Like as people of God, we should be putting him on display. This is what the glory of God is all about. It's not just about miracles and mountains moving. It's just about being the people of God, being, being, putting him on display with his character. This is what we're about. We wanted to move to a downtown building. Before Huron Rising, before the, the other people started to get involved, before the, the state announced it was going to redo the, the, the downtown area, we as a church wanted to pursue a building downtown. And a lot of people were like, why? I don't know. I just feel like God wants us to. And as leadership, as we prayed into it, we felt like, yeah, this is what God wants us to do. And there's been hurdles. We were told no. And so we're like, okay, we're told no. Should we stop? 
Should we keep going? We felt like we should keep going. And we're going. We're going. And so, in fact, I will tell you now, I've, I've referred to our building as a dump several times. And one of the things I was reading, um, one of the books I read over Christmas break, um, the Lord spoke so plainly. He said, never say that again. Like, you're right. Um, it's not a dump. It's a fixer-upper. <laughs> but it, if we believe that this is where he's called us to be as a church, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, it may not move as fast as we hope, but it may move faster than we think. We just don't know. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, see, those are the five things we pray into, but then there were five more that we pray into that come from this verse. In Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourselves with Christ. Neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And the other things that we pray into, one, we pray into race relations. Restoration for people of all races. Um, I know this has become very politicized. It's always been a little politicized. Um, it's become very politicized, especially since 2020. Um, remember that I felt like the Lord put this on our hearts back in 2018. Um, I know it's political. What I'm saying is not political. The Bible calls us to work for justice. It calls us to work for the restoration of all people groups. In fact, Leviticus chapter 19, where Jesus pulls the, the second great commandment from, love your neighbor who is like yourself, actually comes from the idea of loving the foreigner. And they were arguing in Jesus' day, did loving your neighbor mean loving other Jews, or did it also mean loving other people groups? And Jesus tells the story of the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, to emphasize it's about loving all. Don't get caught up in your political views and miss the fact that Jesus calls us to live, to bring people groups together. Uh, we talk about undocumented um, immigrants. We talk about Native Americans and African Americans. And trust me, I did not grow up um, with an eye on what we call social justice. The Lord did a work in my life over a period of several years that I believe you cannot separate justice issues from the gospel. They're not two separate things. They're one. And that's why every week we pray into restoration for race, restoration for class. So the upper class, the middle class, the lower class. Restoration for gender. Um, that's not gender identity. That's restoration for women. Uh, we believe that women have equal standing before God and also are called to serve in any role within the body of Christ. That's our interpretation of the scriptures. And so we want to pray into that. We want to pray into generational restoration. Um, oftentimes, the older generation looks down on the younger. The younger dismisses the older. We want to be a part of bringing them together. We want to be a part of denominational restoration for genuine unity. I mean, Jesus himself said, the world will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. So when there is not genuine unity in the body of Christ among different denominations, man, imagine, like, we just get so hung up on people. People don't believe in Jesus. Well, maybe if the church actually showed them what it looked like, they would believe. That's what, the, to, to us, the glory of God looks like. 
All of these things. And that's why we pray into them every single week. And so as we step into the 21 days of fasting and prayer, those are some of the things that we wanted to, to continue to pray into. When it, when it comes to fasting, um, I know it's been a few years since we've done a corporate fast altogether. And so I want to share just a few verses about fasting because I don't want us to get the idea that fasting is about making something happen. We don't fast so that God acts. We don't fast because like, we have to do something in order for God to move. We fast in a way just to reset ourselves or to refocus on what God has already been doing that we're maybe missing. And so fasting has more to do with my, or my uh, character and my attitude and my perspective than it does anything outside of me. Okay, fasting is more for me than it is for outside. I also believe that fasting does affect spiritual forces that are around us. Daniel fasted, and in response to that, angels were dispatched. So there's that tension between, well, so does fasting do something or does it not? Well, yes, it does both. And so um, some people say, well, are we even supposed to fast? Well, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, here you go. When you fast, Jesus. He said, when you pray, earlier. He said, when you give, earlier. And the church, we, we give, we pray. But the third thing he said is, it says in this chapter is, when you fast. How often do we, do we fast? What about Matthew chapter 9, verse 15? When the, disciple, or the disciples of John and the Pharisees come to Jesus and we fast, why aren't your disciples fasting? And Jesus said, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus goes into the wilderness, led by the Spirit. For 40 days he fasts, and he spends time in the wilderness. Then he's tempted by the devil. Coming out of that, verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Interesting phrasing that's used here. He was led by the Spirit into a time of fasting and prayer, and he comes out of that moment in the power of the Spirit. Fasting, if done properly, does something to sharpen our spiritual ears. If it was good enough for Jesus, it ought to be good enough for us. And we're not even doing 40 days, 21. We're not even doing a full fast. We're just doing something. Acts chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, <laughs> the Holy Spirit said, it's funny when you fast, you hear things that you don't hear when you don't. I'm not saying you can't hear the Holy Spirit without fasting, but you hear more when you do. It's denying the flesh so that the Spirit becomes more sensitive. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. <laughs> Only the work that changed the entire face of the world for us as Gentiles. I mean, praise the Lord. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them. So like the Holy Spirit spoke, and they, they didn't just jump at it, they continued to pray and fast, and then they sent them out. And how many of us are like, well, the Bible says this, so I should just act on it? Or, I, I mean, how many of us make decisions, and we don't even think about taking time to fast and really pray and make sure that we're not jumping into something selfishly or because it's something we want to give our yes to. We want to slow down and make sure I'm giving my yes where the Spirit wants me to give my yes. And that's what a fast helps us do. 
In Acts chapter 14 and 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord. How many of you spent time praying and fasting before you filled out your deacon nominee form? I mean, well, that, that person looks like, yeah, they'd be pretty good. I mean, I, I don't really know them, but whatever. I mean, the people that are going to lead our church, how, are, how should they be chosen? Well, scripturally, with prayer and fasting. Mark chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus comes down from the mountain. The disciples having a hard time casting out a demon, even though they've done it before. Jesus does it. The disciples are like, hey, why couldn't we do that? Jesus says this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. That doesn't mean that, again, you have to fast and pray in order for something to happen and someone doesn't get healed. That means you should have prayed and fasted. It's all about spiritual sensitivity. It's all about understanding what you're up against and knowing how to respond and react to it. That's what fasting is all about. So as we step into believing for more in 2024, uh, the 21 days of fasting and prayer is leading us into this. We cannot stay the same and experience more in this year ahead. So as we start to wrestle with some of these things and we start to wrestle with maybe what God wants to do in our lives in this year ahead, here's one question that I really want us to wrestle with. Here it is. Write it down. Why are we here? Why are we here? And I mean, I want you to say, why are you here? But I, all of us, I want us to ask the question, why am I here? That's a corporate question for us as a church, but it's an individual question too. Why are you in Huron? I, I meet a lot of people that complain about our city. Guilty sometimes. Why are you here? I mean, are you here just, you know, coincidence that you live in Huron? Or is this where God has you? And if he has you here, why are you complaining about where he's put you? That's a great question. What about your job? Why are you in the job you're in? Is it just, you know, well, it was a job. Or is, did God place you where he placed you? And if your perspective is very negative on your job, stop it. Stop it. Yeah, really. Because if this is where God has you, and you're, why isn't God moving in my workplace? Probably your attitude is a part of it. And if you want God to move in your workplace, you can't have a bad attitude when you go to work. You can't stand around and talk about all of the things that you would do different if you were in charge. And you can't just jump in and attack every other coworker that doesn't live up to and meet your expectations. That's good preaching, Pastor Tom. Why are, you, why are you doing this to us on this nice cold day when we came here? Because I want our character to be so radically different from anyone else on the planet. Because if the Spirit of God actually lives inside of us, it should. There should be no one in your workplace that's better than you, that stands out more than you, unless there's another believer there. But we ought to be different. And I think sometimes we don't just stop and ask the questions. Why are you in this church? And if God brought you to this church, then are you engaged like he brought you here? Are you serving like he brought you here? Are you giving like he brought you here? Are you praying like he brought you here? Because if you're not, what are you doing? If, where does God have us? That's the question. 
And I also want us to ask, why do I do what I do? Why do I attend church? Why do I serve? Why do I read my Bible? I mean, am I reading my Bible just to confirm what I already believe, or am I reading my Bible because I know there are areas of my character that need to be shaped and formed? Am I looking for ammunition to, to spout at my spouse or people around me, or am I looking to be shaped and molded into the image of God? Like, really, ask ourselves these questions. Are we teachable? How do we use social media? I think social media can be one of the greatest platforms for the church to use. I think technology and Zoom would be, is a great platform for the church to use to spread the gospel, but it's also a very dangerous one. It all depends on how we use it. And some people, well, I just hate it. Well, did the Holy Spirit tell you to stay away from it, or do you just hate it? I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying don't do what you want to do if you've surrendered your life to Him. What does he want from us? Don't ask just why we do what we do, but why do we not do what we don't do? That was hard to say. Why do we not do what we don't do? Like, why do I not study the word more? It's certainly not because I don't have the resources. I mean, I've shared with you the online resources that are available to us right now. There's no reason... Any of us can't really study the Word and know it better. Why don't I engage with our local body of believers more than I do? Why don't I attend prayer meetings? I mean, because I can't or because I just, you know. Like, I love you, Marv. (laughs) And the question of, are are these questions that I'm asking you to even ask, are they even biblical? I don't know. Are they? we're going to have this conversation for like three weeks after today. And I'm not going to bring up all these questions because here's what I found. I don't want to guilt you into doing anything. I don't. I I even hate to bring up specific examples because then it feels like I'm bringing up things and you're going to feel guilty and you're going to do... I found that guilt is a terrible motivator. I just want you to, over the next 21 days, really tune into what the Spirit is saying and say... Why do I do what I do? Why do I not do what I don't do? And am I really following him or am I just doing what I want to do? I believe if we get a group of people that really know what it is to submit to the voice of the Spirit and follow him and just lay our lives down the way Jesus did, we'll change the city. We'll turn the world upside down. And you know, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be progressing. And we'll talk about that. So as we fast, as we pray... Um, I told you we're going to talk about more and believing. So we're going to talk about these two words. What, do I, what am I talking about when I say I'm believing for more in 2024? And then I want to talk about this word believe. And then we're going to go eat some chili and corn chowder. How's that sound? So if I believe God has called me to Huron personally, that ought to affect everything in my life. And I do. I believe God has called me to Huron. I, I'm not going to say that over the last 26 years that there's never been times where I'm like, dear God, why did you call me to Huron? Or, you know, am I done here? Like, is this as, as effective as I can be? Like, these are questions that I wrestle with. Do, is, do I move on? Do I stay here? I believe God has called me here. I believe he wants me to be fully engaged with this body to be fully engaged with our community in the ways that I am. Over the last several years, I've given my yes to some things, which has caused me to give my no to other things. 
I had to give my no to things that I enjoyed doing, things that I was good at doing, things that I wanted to do. But if I was going to give my yes here, I had to give my no somewhere. And so I did it because I felt like that's what the Lord was leading me to do. I had other people pray with me so that I wasn't just making a decision that I thought was right. So when it comes to the vision of our church, we didn't just come up with this vision one day, you know, just sitting around brainstorming. Years of prayer and meetings and talking and fasting with our leadership team has brought us to the place where we are. And I promise you, during this process, there have been times I thought, Lord, am I crazy? Lord, have we missed it? Is this really what we're supposed to do? I don't understand. Why would we do this? Today, I feel like I have got more clarity than I've ever had, but still a little fuzzy on some things. But I believe that as we keep walking together as a body, as a leadership team, and we keep praying into what God wants us to do, I believe it's going to become more and more clear and more and more articulate as we walk it out. As we talked in the month of December, remember we talked about the parable of the sower, the soils, and how important that message is. Because the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom of God comes to us in seed form all the time. It sometimes comes very small, and we sometimes don't receive it at all. We totally miss it. So fasting breaks up the, the fallow ground of our hearts. Remember we talked about that from the book of Hosea? Break up the, the fallow ground of your heart so you can receive the kingdom. So during this 21 days of fasting, I believe as we strategically start breaking up the flesh, the hard parts of our lives... As we do that, I believe we're going to receive kingdom seeds that we were missing before. We can receive them with joy, and then sometimes they get choked out because of difficulty, and sometimes they get choked out because of the thorns, and then sometimes they go into good soil, and they produce 100 times, 60 times, 30 times that which was sown. But as Jesus is finished with that parable, he says these words in Mark 4, Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken. When we talk, I don't know what you think when, when I say believing for more. Maybe some of you are thinking more like miracles, more um, exciting worship services, more like I, I don't even know what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. More of the glory of God. And that's even a hard word because, again, some people associate the glory of God with good emotional worship services or miracles, and those things are a part. But to me, the glory of God is just a life laid down. Like, when I want to respond this way, I don't because I want the glory of God to be seen in me, and so I respond the way Jesus did. Like, I, I mean, Jesus didn't always just give people nice words. Sometimes he spoke hard words to people. But Jesus only spoke hard words to people that he also sat at a table with. See, we like to, to shoot things from across the bow at people. We, we like to tell people how they're living wrong from far away. And we'll talk about how we need to start getting up close. And we ought to be saying far more positive things to people than negative things to people. And the negative things we do say to people would be received better if we actually did a better job at building others up. We wonder why our, our criticism or why our truth isn't accepted by people, and then we blame the fact, well, that they're just worldly. Well, that might be the case, but it also might be the presentation. 
And if I allow the Spirit of God to work in my life in that way, if I take what He's put in my life, if I take that seed form word and let it put down roots, it's going to affect me, which is going to affect others. That's what Jesus is teaching us. In Matthew chapter 13, again, Jesus says the same parable in this passage, but He ends it this way. I speak in parables, so those seeing... They do not see, though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. See, sometimes the mountain doesn't move (laughs) because it the, the character of our lives isn't ready for the mountain to move. I don't like that. Because I always wanted to believe that the mountain won't move because of someone else. Not because I'm not ready. Not because I haven't let the Spirit do the type of work He needs so that when I get to the other side. Because here's the thing, why would He give me anything that's actually going to cause my downfall? And I don't want to just be someone on the totem pole of Christianity of, you know, got to the other side of the mountain and faltered because the character wasn't strong enough to handle where they went. Does that make sense? All right. James chapter 1, verse 22. James says it this way. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Believing for more is not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be things that we don't like. There are going to be things that where we think we are right and someone else is wrong, and the Holy Spirit's going to say, just wait. Just wait. And our perspective is going to shift. When Jesus talks about before you go to someone to point out the speck in their eye, make sure you're dealing with the log in your own eye. He didn't say, don't worry about their speck, just worry about your log. He said, deal with your log so that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to be a part of. We want to give God ultimate control over every area of our lives. We want to pay close attention to our words and to our actions. We want our words to be faith-filled, not critical. We want our words to be faith-filled, not fear-filled. We want to believe that in a moment, everything can change. That we really are putting down deep roots, and even though it doesn't look like there's been much growth in my life, there's been tremendous growth in my life. And one of these days, that's going to sprout, and we're going to be able to handle it because of the roots that we have put down into the soil. That's what I'm talking about when I say believe for more. I don't know if it clarifies it, but it will over the next couple of weeks. What about believing? The word believing, as I said, is an action word. James chapter 2, James says this, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing, about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. 
But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. That's a profound passage of Scripture. The demons believe that there is one God, but it doesn't do any good. Their belief has to be seen by their action. Demons are in rebellion against God. There are people that go to church every Sunday that claim to believe in God, but their actions all week long are in rebellion against God. I'm just, it's, it's clear. You know, the, the Bible, we, we only need to go to one place. Philippians chapter 2, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Oh, got us all. Uh, again, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. That's not what James is saying. But James is saying there ought to be some progress in our lives. If you claim to have faith in God, it ought to show up in how you talk, in how you live, in how you, 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 you see the world. Everything ought to change. The problem is we have to put this with like Galatians chapter 3. So let's do that. Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. I would like to learn just one thing from you, Paul says. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Now, a lot of people will say that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle James are, their words are in opposition. They're not. There's obviously a tension at work here. We're going to read some more of Paul's words and we're going to actually see that his words conform a little bit more to James than this passage does. But when he's talking about works of the law, he's talking about the fact that you're not justified because you have kept the law. He's not saying that our lives should not change. He's not saying that our actions don't matter. He's not saying that, you know, if you have faith in God, it doesn't matter how you live just, you know, because your salvation just de de depends on this prayer that you prayed one time. That is not what he's saying. The Pharisees that Paul was a part of, the Pharisees, as we've talked about, they believed that the reason the Messiah wasn't coming is because people weren't obeying the law enough. And the way to get Messiah to come was to do better. That's why they tried to have the law, and then they had the oral traditions on top of the law, because they were trying to put parameters around the law, and then parameters around the parameters, so that no one would break the law, so that they could be perfect enough that eventually Messiah would come. And the people that they hated the most were the, the tax collectors, the sinners, the people that were keeping Messiah from coming. If you would just get your act together, Messiah would come. <laughs> and the Messiah was sitting at their table. That's what I love about it. And so the Pharisees, we don't want to fall into that trap that this idea that, well, if I just fast more, or if I just... Our, our relationship with God comes from faith. But that faith should produce actions. It should change how I treat my parents. It should change how I treat my siblings. It should change how I treat my spouse. Unless I was already doing well before. <laughs> it should change how I talk to my boss or how I respond to my boss. It should change 
the words that I speak. It should change whether I'm critical or whether I'm actually speaking words that are going to build others up. Yes, I do believe there's a time that we should speak up about things. But I think that we ought to do it the way the Scripture teaches, and we'll get to that in a couple weeks. Galatians chapter 5. Paul goes on from what he just said, and he says this, You, my brothers and sisters, you're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. The word flesh um, really just means your, your sinful nature, your, your selfishness. Okay? So it's, it's not just acts of the flesh. It can, it can be anything selfishly motivated. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbors yourself. <laughs> Remember, neighbor being people not like you. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. So that, what, so that you are not to do whatever you want. I, I thought you said I was free. Well, you are. But the God who created you understands your freedom better than you do. Better than I do. And so if I do whatever I want, along the line, I'm going to choose something that's going to put me back in bondage. I need to choose according to the spirit that he's put in me. That's why he put him in me. So that I can walk according to what he desires. But here's the thing. I have control. And I can just quiet him up. And the more I quiet him up, the quieter he becomes. He will not shout. So why do we fast? Well, because I want to see where I've quieted him. And he won't shout. So I'm going to get myself quiet so I can hear. Because I guarantee you, every one of us in this room have quieted him somewhere. <laughs> and that includes those watching online. Because it's not about our salvation. It's about the glory of God being revealed in our lives. Yeah, so he goes on. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. <laughs> now, this is not an exhaustive list, but it gives us an idea. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Those two words, dissensions, and factions. Be careful in the political season that we're about to step into that you speak the truth and you be careful of dissensions and factions. Be careful. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that mean if we live like this, we're, we're going to go to hell? Well, see, I, I, to me, kingdom of God is glory of God, same thing. Now, does that mean, because here's the thing. If we complain or grumble or slander or gossip, will we not inherit the kingdom of God? Wow, then nobody's going, right? Nobody's going. So Paul's not saying that if you commit any sin, you, you're out. He's not saying that. But he's saying, if you want the kingdom of God to show up in your life, 
in profound and powerful ways, you, you can't give in to these things because this is just going to clog up the pipeline. Instead, he says in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. See, believing is about taking what God has done inside by transforming me, putting the Spirit inside of me, and letting that out more and more every single day. Paul says it in Romans chapter 12 this way, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, remember God's mercy that doesn't give us what we deserve, offer your bodies now as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That doesn't just mean like don't drink and smoke and go to dirty movies, okay? The pattern of this world can also be the mindset of this world can also be, hey, you have the right to complain about your boss. You have the right to do, I mean, you have the right to do things, but I lay down my rights sometimes because I need to follow the way of the lamb, not the way of anyone else. And so don't just read the pattern of this world as the things that we don't do. There are ways today that I'm conforming to the pattern of this world. I'll be honest. There are ways you are too. Maybe you won't be honest. And so how over these next 21 days can I conform less to the pattern of this world? Let my mindset be shift to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Man, that's what I want. And I know some of this sounds restrictive and it's like, oh, I, I don't know about that. Like I want to be in, I want to call the shots. I want to, this is the way of life. Jesus chose this path and he was exalted to the highest place. Can I tell you that? If you humble yourself, you will be exalted. Not to the, the highest place of Jesus, okay? Just below him. But if you don't humble yourself, if you're proud, you'll be brought low. Like that's the scripture. So when we choose the way of Jesus, when we do what Paul says, last verse, Ephesians 5.1, one, one of my favorites, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Because you're his children. Not imitate God, therefore, so that you become his children. But because you are his children. He's already done the work in us. Again, you braved the 45 degree below zero weather to be here today. You are his children, I believe. Start imitating him. I mean, you already are. I love that Christy said today, God showed me my... F we are. We're being faithful. He's showing up in our lives. I just want more. I want more. Why do I want more? Because tonight, children in our city will go to bed hungry. Because tonight, children in our city will go to bed afraid that someone's going to come into their room. Because tonight, men and women are afraid of their spouse. Because tonight, things in our city are not set right. And I can't do everything. We can't do everything. 
but we can do something. And I think if we set our hearts on these next 21 days to say, God, more of your glory in my life. The only thing that may change is your family. The only thing that may change may be your own heart. The only thing that may change may be a few people at work. Can I tell you? It's worth it. It's worth it. And if you think nothing is changing, <laughs> ask him to show you the roots that are going down. Because I don't believe you can seek him for the next 21 days, fasting and prayer, and have nothing happen. <laughs> Just not possible. He's a God that rewards those who diligently seek him. It may not come the way you want or expect, but it'll come. And so, Father, I just pray as we as a church body step into these next 21 days, Holy Spirit, that you'd open our ears to hear what it is you're saying. Holy Spirit, encourage us. Show us the areas where we've given our yes faithfully and strengthen our resolve that we would continue to not defile ourselves, that we would continue to give our yes where you've told us to give it. For those that are tired, for those that feel like they just can't continue to give that yes, give strength. Holy Spirit, for areas where we've given a yes and it needs to be a no, give us strength to choose your path, to keep in step with you, to close doors that need to be closed. Whether it's things that for the first time we've needed to walk away from or whether it's things that we've walked away from and then gone back to. Give us the courage to walk away again. I pray that over these 21 days as we read this devotion together, God, these words are, are just interpretations of your word. But use them to speak to us individually and as a corporate body. Show us how to move towards more in 2024. Show us where we're rationalizing a yes that needs to be a no. Show us where we're rationalizing a no that needs to be a yes. Show us how the glory of God can be displayed more in our lives. And so for each of us, over these next 21 days, as we set our hearts, as we set our minds on seeking you, God, show yourself faithful. Bring fresh encounters with you, with your spirit, into the hearts and the minds of every person that seeks you. And even those who don't. because your mercies are new every morning. <laughs> Great is your faithfulness. And so thank you for all that you've done today, the ways you've spoken, the work that you've done that we're aware of, and the things that we didn't see, but that you still did. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you again, stop by the table in the back before you leave. The devotionals for the 21 days and also for the 40 days of decrease 
if you didn't get the message uh, that I sent out about the online um, version, if you need that still, you can shoot me a text. I'll get it over to you. Uh, that starts tomorrow. And so I'm excited for what God's going to do. Don't forget House of Prayer tonight. What a great way to launch into 21 days of fasting and prayer, but an hour of prayer together. Uh, but it's going to be cold. So if you live out of town or if you've got young children and, and don't want to bundle,